Hello and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Uh, ben Clark and Marcel Mathis are back on the pod. No Luke this week to discuss the pretty epic Solden weekend. Uh, the snow was amazing. The racers were talking about how it's the best conditions that they've ever seen in Solden. Uh, and it certainly looked pretty spectacular on the TV screens as well. Um, we shall start off by talking through the women's race. That was on the Saturday first race of the 2021-22 season. And uh, it was... I don't know, top draw, wasn't it? Straight out of the gate. What a fantastic race. Schifrin managing to get one over on Lara Gutbarami and Vlahova rounding out the top three. Ben, what did you think? Yeah, those uh, those top two really made a massive statement, didn't they? The, the, the gap to Vlahova in, in, in third was was pretty massive. I think it was like uh, 1.3 uh, seconds. So, yeah, those two pretty much picked up where they finished yeah. off last season. Um, with some with some pretty epic skiing, like you said, the the conditions were incredible. I've definitely missed seeing racing on bullet hard tracks, and just that that steep just looks fun every time I watch it. And the the piece held up really I'm well. Not sure, fun. I'm not sure it looked fun from where I was sitting. Ben, that's great. Talk about it's great fun. That's what racing's all about. <laughs> well, not not if you're a former downhiller, right? That's too many. <laughs> it's a stuff of nightmares having to turn down anything, let alone something that steep. I mean, the fact they have to do two runs is terrifying enough for you. <laughs> yeah, that's far too much effort. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was it was brilliant. I I really enjoyed watching it. I really enjoyed some of the performances. Yeah, and I'm just going to jump straight in with Alex Tilly. What a, what a performance from Bib 40. We weren't sure if the new skis would settle in straight away, but they really did. The old Kessleys. Austri- Austrian, Austrian brand, eh, Marcel? Hometown brand. Quality. That is quality. I mean, her skiing was quality as well, but I think a big part of it was also the brand and the skis. You reckon? Good to see. It's good to see them back. I hope they're going to have a podium at some stage anytime soon. Well, maybe with Tilly. Well, that now now that that would be something. Yeah, didn't quite. Was it? Um, is it Tangy Neff that was on them for the men? I think he was the only one on them. Um, I think no, not Tangy Neff. Um, some other Swiss skier is on them as well. I, uh, oh, was it Noger, uh, Cedric Noger? Yes, well, exactly. Noger is on, is on Kessler as well. I think they have a, a pretty small team, but obviously they try and grow it at the moment. Yes, yeah, so owned by uh, it was saved by the uh, somebody from Czech Republic apparently. It's owned by a Czech Republic company now. Nice, uh, but yeah, what we really want to see from Alex now is the consistency of doing that. Can she do that in in the next races? I know we've got a bit of a break now um, be- before uh, she gets some more GSs, but seeing those type of performances week in, week out is what we want to see from, from her moving forwards because we know she's got the speed when she gets it right. Yeah, she actually, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with, with the Alex Tilly train at the moment, but she, I mean, it was some of her best skiing and we've talked, how many times have we talked about it on here? How many times have we talked about it in commentary about Alex Tilly and trying to find that consistency and, you know, without getting ahead of ourselves, race one, finds that consistency over two runs it just i don't think i'd look at the wcsl world cup start list and it doesn't look like that's enough points to move her into the top 30 so she's gonna to have to do it again from a higher bib number but she i think it's uh killington is the next proper gs isn't it for the ladies so i think and she's got that's a happy hunting ground for her she scored slalom points there as well if memory serves correctly so you know fingers crossed that she can do the business there but it was pretty epic I mean, her second round charge was was pretty good, wasn't it? Like, obviously, it's always important to make the cut into the 30, but then you don't see many people, like, charging her for the second round. They usually, they go for the points um, rather than, like, a good result. Mm. 
and I felt like she was confident enough to actually lay one down and just like go for it. And and I think that's the right approach if you wanna if you wanna go lower with your bibs in World Cups. You have yeah, well, we we were just talking about it off air, weren't we? In terms of how how uh, how brutal that World Cup start list is, Marcel. Because when you broke into the top thirty, yeah, like it takes it almost took me like a podium to get into the top thirty from zero points. And like obviously, it's once you're in there, it's easier, or at least once you're in the top fifteen or the top seven, it's a lot easier to keep to keep being in there because when you start with like one to seven. You usually don't get too bad. I still manage to do it, but um, it's it's a lot harder to fall back out of the top thirty. <laughs> um, but yeah, no I'm not top. saying anything about that. No, I mean you. You still. I mean, obviously, if you're if you're an idiot, and you you can still manage to do it. But um, once you're in there, it's definitely easier to stay in there. No, but I think um, moving on to the rest of the race field, though, uh, there were plenty of performances. Uh, throughout loads of different startups right across the field we had a load of people in in the 30s we had a uh, bib 45 ellenberger qualifying we had about four i think it was four americans that qualified for that second run we had valerie grenier of canada up into seventh she was in fifth after the first run from bib 23 to of norway she ended up fifth from bib of 32 leansberger you know carried on some world champs form and uh, finished in fourth. I think it was just spectacular racing. Like that piece looked like it did hold up, like they said it would, uh, and just gave the racers the chance to perform across the board. Shame about the Austrians though, with uh, Bruno Ray Marcel. Yeah, I mean, like obviously that was that was a shame, but I think for especially for Leonsberger because last year their GS was not very good except for the World Champs, and I felt like she's she's made a, a big step up. And I mean. The first two are ahead of everyone else. Um, Esther were or maybe not last year, but obviously it was, we kind of saw it coming that Schifrin and Gut will probably battle it out this year. Um, and, and that's literally what happened. And Vlahova is like kind of best of the rest. But if you look at the result, like anyone from Vlahova down to maybe the 10th place, they're within a second. So they can all, they can all like you, get on that podium. Do you really think that Vlahova's not going to feature? You think it's going to be a two-horse race? You don't think Vlahova's going to be consistently in the mix? I think she will be probably in the mix for a while. But I, in the end, I, I do generally think that Schifrin and, and Cooper Ami are too good this year. I feel like they both have their strength. And, and if Cooper Ami can pick up some really good GS results, it should get her in a good spot because I've betting down her in Super G, she's going to be very quick. Yeah, and with Schifrin, like obviously the slalom will be good as well, and then let's see what she can do in the in the speed races this year. Um, but I think it's going to be a, a two horse battle. It is a bit tough at, at Solden as well, though, because if you do make a mistake in the wrong part of that hill, you are You're stopped out. for the rest of it. Yeah, and and I think we saw that with the the likes of I think Robinson made a couple of errors just coming onto the flat. Uh, well, she favorite. made she made about eighteen errors. Uh, on that second run didn't she you could see how much and uh, not saying it with any malice because she was my pick for the women's <laughs> women's race you, think, you think her again i did didn't i i did a, i did a tessa ben on tessa wally um yeah but she made so many errors. she she beat herself on that second run she did really did yeah i think she made a few small errors that cost her time on the first run and then was trying to win that time back on the second run and just kind of o- o- over trying a bit um but she, I mean, she wasn't the only one. Obviously, we saw both 
Bassino and Brignoni go out um, on Bassino on the first run, Brignoni on the second. It's very unlike them. They're normally very consistent. So I was really surprised to see them uh, skiing out as well. Um, I've got a quote here from Petra Vlahova. And I didn't Ooh. quite realise that it was that the sort of relationship between her and Livio Magoni, her old coach, was was quite as bad as it appears to have been. It says, uh, quote, Last year was a massacre. He destroyed everything. For three years, he showed me how the world of skiing was. But last year, he went crazy and treated me like a machine, not a human, being with ups and downs. When he criticised my way of skiing, as, um, it says that she skis like an iron compared to the gems of the Italian girls. And I saw an article in the Gazetta del Sport and I cried for three hours and told my brother to fire him. Uh, within the team, he destroyed us. He is mad. I didn't quite. Yeah, that, that is a, a quote. Uh, so there's no. <laughs> this... That's like, no, you just made up that quote, didn't you? <laughs> just to spice it up a bit. Yes, my own quote. No, it isn't. That's a Petra Vlahova quote. Yeah, I didn't realise it was. I mean, we talked about it, didn't we? Plenty of times on here that it was just, you know, they were skiing everything all of the time and it was a real sort of you know peppering the points sort of smashing everything that was potentially possible and then it nearly backfired but I didn't realize that it was such a sort of toxic environment I have to admit I mean I, I can I obviously I have to say he probably is mad as a hatter um but clearly the success gives him right in this case I don't know if I don't know though I don't know though because I think as we again spoke about last season if she'd been cl more clever with the picks or if the team had been more clever with the picks and picked up some bigger points at, at bigger events you know and stopped trying to ski every single event or we talked about it last year every single event she entered pretty much and she only just got the title if she'd you know she would I'm sure she would have had a much easier run if she'd missed a couple and focused in a bit more that's what but I think I don't know I, I think just because you win does that make it the right approach not sure I mean she got she got the big globe so um that I'm is sure she would take, that, she, that, she's not going to give that back is she for having that, a nice that is a positive but yeah I, I think when you're trying to compete with Schifrin who can win in any discipline you're you're almost forced into trying to get as many points in as many events as possible because whenever she does turn up she will probably win well that's what that's what she got annoyed at people expecting that didn't she old Schifrin in terms of uh, that type of thing but you can't help you can't help it and when you're that successful 17 now 70 world cup wins you know her strike rate I, ha I haven't done the the maths recently but her strike rate is absolutely ridiculous and no wonder people expect that when she starts a race she podiums a race but look, um, like the, the thing is, like, I'm, I'm not saying it's a good way to do things, how he did it, but obviously she will, if she will never win it again, at the end of her career, she will look back and just be like, well, actually, you know what? Was she it worth it? did the right thing. I wanted, and this is, this has made me get onto, like, some really famous list in Slovakia of being the most, one of the most famous people or whatever. Yeah. And no one's going to, as you quite already said, no one's going to take it away from her anymore, or Ben said, but obviously the way might not be the nicest one to do it, but it's obviously, it's efficient. And I think, like, it's all about being efficient. in this. Program. It raises an interesting point, doesn't it? I mean, she wouldn't take it back. I doubt she'd take it back. Well, it, if, you, if you ask her if she take the, the globe back or 
don't have to go through last season. I'm pretty sure she would say, "I'll take, I'll don't take the globe. I, I'll take the globe." Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Interesting though. But um, Schiffer in second run. Huh? What about that? I mean, it was it was pretty incredible. Um, but to be honest, when she came down, I thought that would kind of blow Geet Brahmi out of the water and she wouldn't be able to stay close to it. But Geet Brahmi put up an incredible fight to stay just over a, a tenth away from her on that because I thought that was like, okay, the first run was Schifrin kind of getting getting back into the new season uh, and the second run she'll just dominate. And then, uh, yeah, she, like, I mean, she looked like she did. Yeah, she had, she had a sort of uh, Schifrin second run, didn't she? And then Geet Brahmi went, I'm still going to, you know, you're not having it all your own way. And it was quite a ding-dong, even with the splits, if I remember rightly. It was looking, you know, could have gone either way, the whole length of that piece. And that's what you want. You want that competition. And that's what we had with Vlahova a couple of years ago when she was at her, her best, certainly in slalom, is those two would be really going at it, both runs of, a, of every World Cup. And, and you want to see that. It doesn't really matter if it's the same person, but you, you don't want to see people just walking away with victories every race because it gets boring. So you do, exactly. want, you do want someone to challenge Schifrin and you want Schifrin to, to work for all those wins. And, and she works incredibly hard for them. Um, so, I, yeah, I can't wait to see what's, what it's going to be like the next round. Uh, although I wonder who do you think Goop Brahmi will do the parallels? Yes, did she do any of the parallels last year? I think she did actually. Will Schifrin? Well, that's true. Well, Back in Austria, you know, or do you just go and prep Killington because that's the one up? You know, that's coming up pretty quick after. Is there so much? Of, is there I, much of a gap? Well, you've no. got three. You've got what three weekends between now and then? So all of a sudden, you've got a decent period where you're probably going to go home to wherever you live, whoever you are. And then to come back to Austria. Although the women do have both slaloms in Levy, which Schifrin won't miss, will she? No, that's true. Yeah, because they go into those and then they go to Killington. That's a fair point. Then also, where is where is Kilde going to stay for the next three weeks? You know, that's the question. <laughs> I don't know if the cameras, cameras are going a bit OTT on it, aren't they? Like looking for looking for Kilde every opportunity whenever Schifrin's anywhere near. <laughs> they look for Kilda and they they look for Marcel's uh, mate the new Frist Hesling quite a lot as well. That was that was he was on screen more than the races. I was just wondering if they would like integrate like a kiss cam now in the finish area. Like <laughs> I mean, you can you can give Johan a call see if Mister Eliash wants to uh, start you know spicing it up slightly. Well, if they want if they want to progress ski racing, they maybe want to look into some of those stuff as well. <laughs> uh god no hopefully not <laughs> but at least but one thing we, i guess we haven't said yet was just how awesome it was with, with fans being back uh oh yeah it was slightly less than full capacity i think they were saying on telly it was like six thousand or sixteen thousand rather than the 20 odd or 30 odd it might normally be but the noise that they made even though it wasn't maximum capacity was uh pretty impressive yeah, they went through all the same COVID protocols and stuff. They had to go and do tests and stuff and prove that they hadn't, they'd done a test within whatever, 12, 24 hours, I think it was, of the of the, the day that they were in the finish area. So, you know, Fizz are taking, well, Fizz and the Austrian ski team, as it was obviously in Austria, was, um, are taking like all the precautions that they need to. So, yeah, it was so nice to hear some crowds and actually lo looking at the races, being able to interact with crowds again, rather than just sort of getting to the finish and, looking around and sort of pushing out of the finish area again. Is there anybody else that you want to touch on before we move on? Yeah, I actually like to say that um, I'm quite impressed with 
Nina O'Brien because um, she had like obviously a couple of good runs last year, but this year like she she picked up a ninth spot, and I think she definitely has a lot more potential. Um, so I actually I, think I, that I she's think good. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, but I think she's she still made quite a lot of errors in that in the weekend. So I think that she's, you know, again, it's a broken record about the two runs. But if she can, if she can sort of find that consistency, she's definitely a top five uh, she could be the third spot on the podium unless you know who knows maybe but that's sort of it's wide open isn't it for that yeah and also also valerie grenier that one we talked last time about like having to fund everything by herself she picked up the seventh spot as well so they might canadian ski federation might want to think about chugging some money in there as well <laughs> yes or they might go, oh, look at that. Look how good they're doing without like, it. You're all paid by yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit of fire. Make it make you produce some results. No, I hope, don't get any ideas like that. But yeah, no, I think loads of, you know, AJ Hurt, she was back in the in the top group. And then um, Paula Maltzen managed to pick up more points. You know, I think it's a nice team atmosphere they seem to have and a good group around them to start picking up some more consistent results. And obviously Maltzen, is going to be looking forward to that parallel event, isn't she, in a couple of weeks' time? Yeah, she was rapid in those last year, wasn't she? Yeah, well, she she was uh, second. She lost out to Vlahova, didn't she, in, in uh, Lech last time? Yeah, she was very, very good at that. She almost she almost won it. She had made a mistake right in front of the finish, but mm. she almost won that race. Uh, uh, what were the Austrian press saying, Marcel? Anything? Were they, were they happy with the, with the weekend's action? Yeah, I think they were pretty happy. I mean, last year they had, like, a very, very bad race or opener. And this year, you know what? They've been all very consistent. I mean, we're going to come to the men's race, but Leonsberg with the fourth and then 10, 15, 17, 27. So that's that's really solid. And I think that was a good start for them. And you know what? I felt like actually they, they made a big step forward in terms of like their technique and how they were like uh, attacking the race. So I think I think they're moving into the right direction and the, the press is doing the same, like it's kind of blowing the same horn. So it's good to see, and obviously Olympic season coming up, so that's important for Austrians as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good start. Absolutely good start. They'll, they'll be they'll be on the same page as long as there's you know nearly podiums and a few people in the top ten. As soon as they're not, they'll be playing a very different tune. Yeah, but you know the you know the Austrians are going to perform when it counts. They all they always do. They always do. Well, their performance maybe brought them on the set on the second on the second page of the newspapers. But if they do really badly, they will get the headline. That's for sure. <laughs> no headlines for all the wrong reasons so, some more headlines ben how did you get on in the predictions league amazing <laughs> consistent Consi- yeah i got i got yeah i, I see we talk about people being able to p- perform consistently at a high level and i do week in <laughs> week out zero points <laughs> tessa oh. let me down again and then i finally get a run at uh Panthro before Marcel has had a chance to pick him. It's like the first time he hasn't been on a podium in a GS in God knows how long. Marcel, needs, you need to send Ben some. You need to like give him a couple of those points. Yeah, but who said I? Who said I was um, wanting to pick him anyway? Well, you always pick him. What do you mean? Who said I wanted to pick him? Oh, I just that was all a setup. That was all a setup. <laughs> it's been a two-year-long setup for, for the first race this year. Exactly. Um, yeah. So Ben and. Luke managed to pick up Neil Point 
Um, Odomat saved me and I picked up a five and Marcel annoyingly is back in front of all of us with uh, six points after you got Schifrin and then um, Kranjek, was it? Well, yes, yeah, that was Kranjek. And you know what? It feels a bit lonely on top sometimes, but I'll take it. <laughs> Fighting talk already. We should, we should probably say there's quite a lot of people that have more points than Marcel yes. as well. Yeah. Just he's just lonely at the top of the podcast host <laughs> but, but i just the reason why i'm not actually winning the whole predictions league is because i'm not allowed to pick my picks you were gonna pick you would pick pantero you would have got less I points order mark 100 like it's just it's just a bit of a setup here that i'm not gonna win the predictions league and pick up the great prices we always have <laughs> is that right i'll just keep i'll just keep my mug <laughs> it's not a mug it's not a mug you are a mug it is a tumbler crystal crystal globe but but yeah no plenty of people did get it right ambrosh privak is back picked up maximum points andy snowman got 10 harrison boyd got 10 points ian finley jamie aldridge last year's winner uh chelsea g blue keith webb natasha drew there's plenty of people uh, and the list goes on that the are more accurate than us uh experts in inverted commas so yeah yeah more more practice needed well, that's, why we, have a, that's why we have a separate competition Ed. <laughs> it's the only way that any of us are going to win anything for the participation medal and i want one well 75 percent can make it onto the podium as well i think that's just fair enough <laughs> i think we need some certificates for taking part okay much more effort needed on our front to try and look like we know what we're talking about uh but on to the men's race the sunday of the belter weekend um, Odomat looked in unstoppable form, but it wasn't by massive margins because uh, Roland Leisinger, surprise Austrian, was in second, only seven hundredths behind, and Kranjek was in third, uh, a tenth behind. So it was all to play for, but it sort of, I, I think you're right, Marcel, it kind of looked like it was Odomat's race, even though it was really close. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously he, he had some some really good runs um and he i mean he just picked up where he left it last year even though he has a new helmet now <laughs> well not head sponsor <laughs> oh, he's going so well with this new helmet on <laughs> i know it like makes him go really fast actually um but you know what like it's it was a good result for him and he was great skiing for him but if you look at the result it's like there are 12 people in one second that literally can can flip around anytime um and we saw some fresh faces in there as well um well kind of and some some new car not some coming back from injuries and stuff so that's it's it was a very interesting race and obviously lighting or from an austrian perspective that was amazing i've heard very good things about brensteiner um but this time it was lighting or picking it up yeah because i thought you know if you looked at the austrian field it was brensteiner that was somebody that everyone was keeping their eyes on but and, and lighting her i mean he almost was as shocked as as we were i think with with how quick he was i think after that first round he said that it it felt okay it didn't feel amazing and he came down and he was leading i mean that's a pretty pretty good run where you think you've not had a flyer and, you, and you're leading the world first world cup of the season 
But sometimes that's what it feels like, isn't it? When you're right on that edge of like speed and, and control, it's sometimes those fastest runs actually feel a bit scrappy. You're like, oh, I've left some time out there. Whereas those ones, you know, other times when it feels like you've got everything right, it means you haven't pushed it enough and you you you, you actually think you've done quite well and you look at the time and you go, no, definitely not. Yeah, I mean, it's if it feels good, it's usually not very good. Um, and that's what I was doing wrong then. <laughs> felt great <laughs> felt great look pretty was slow uh, yeah it, if it looks pretty it's it's probably never going to be really quick if you look at Hirscher he never looked pretty but he was always quick Odermatt same thing he never looks pretty yeah actually, yeah, that's definitely true that's that's some highs and lows Loic Mayar is going to walk away from that weekend a bit disappointed isn't he Bib 3 somebody came in you know with a lot of expectation and uh, only finished down in 16th. But um, River Radimus, what what day he had. Ninth on the first run from Bib 26, ended up finishing sixth just behind Pantro, and he got 500s behind Pantro. Uh, Gino Caviezel, he he looked like, I don't know, he just seems to have sold and dialed a couple of small errors as ever, but he, he loves an inside ski, and last year he suffered for it. And it sort of looked like he may have been a bit more on it this time, but it's some pretty good skiing from him as well. Well, we were just saying, Scrappy, Scrappy's fast, and uh, River Adamus could have gone down about six times each run, yeah. and he was still that close to the likes of Pantra. And like Marcel was saying, anyone within a second, you can you can flip that round in in, in no time and get on the on the podium. Some of the recoveries he put in were incredible, and I, I don't even know if we want to talk about what on earth's going on on top of his head. Um, but, uh... his head, will you? No, that's uh, that's um, it, it was on Twitter, I think it was in in homage to some um, about some former downhiller from America. There was like a, a comparison, but yeah, did you see that still of um, him with both knuckles dragging on the ins- on his inside as he's looking to push his way back up from a hip slide? I'm not sure if that's I'm not sure if that's dragging or just doing like emergency. inside of the term push-ups. Uh. Yeah, emergency maneuvers. Yeah, he had plenty of emergency maneuvers. Well, one thing's for sure, he has definitely watched enough Ligeti videos when he was younger. He looks like he just looks like him, just a bit of a tighter line. Yeah, because Ligeti got used to skiing so round, didn't he? Right yeah. from behind and releases. I mean, but... I mean, I it was I thought it was quite interesting if you. Obviously, some of the camera angles were very good. So you could see like how people took the line into the steeps and in the steeps, and some were going so directly. River Adam was being one of them, and also Brensteiner. Like they were cutting the line a lot more than other people. So I, I think it's it's quite interesting to talk about that, but also to see like if you have uh like obviously the ski length, they vary, they are like different. That's as um people pointed out in the in Eurosport. So I think it's interesting to see whether a longer ski can make you go direct. Do you have to take a bit more line on that one or whatever? And I think that's going to be an interesting... Because Odomat was skiing on a longer one, wasn't he? I'm not quite sure. That's what I read in the um, in some of the commentary notes that he was skiing on a longer ski. But you could see, for example, Fevre, he was like, when it's clean, when he was a clean run in the first, in the first race, and I know he skis on the long ones, in the second one, he was really struggling with it. Um, I was, 
Yeah, I was going to ask about that because that that second set looked a little bit tighter. He looked like he was really struggling to get yeah. the turn started. Whereas on the, I didn't know how much of that was more the fact that you were the, you know, towards the back end. Obviously, there's a few more judders at the top of the turn. Was that what was causing it, or was it? It looked to me like the course was a tiny bit tighter on that second run. Almost in as much of like if you've got those slightly longer ones, it's going to be a little bit harder to really snap the turn off. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's gonna. Obviously, when the, the courses are tighter and you have longer skis, it's gonna be it's gonna be really tricky. And I guess if you would have an athlete as like as a coach and you are setting a course, you probably would like think about okay, does he ski on long or short skis? If he does ski on short skis, you probably you might want to make it as turny as possible for everyone else to be kind of in the. <laughs> um, but I guess that's that's something we'll see over the season. Yeah, I think the um, they talked about it that the second run was less rhythmical. So a lot of changes in distances, a lot of changes in offset. And what, you know, the first run was pretty rhythmical in terms of um, the, the the pace of the turns, but this time it wasn't. So that, that run, it wasn't. So maybe when you're on a longer ski, you haven't got, you, you know, it's more, you're reacting to it rather than being able to sort of set up as much with the longer ski, it's going to be more tricky to, to get it moving. Um, what I did, what I did think was incredible on that second run, because Kranjic's times weren't, his splits weren't brilliant, but the speed he carried from like the last three turns of the steep into the flat, considering he was going around the same kind of time as as uh, you know the, the other guys leading from the first run, he just looked so much faster. He looked like he hadn't skied the steep anywhere near as well as as some of the guys around him. But he absolutely flew off the pitch, um, and that's what kept him, I think, up on on that podium level. Well, so that is the key to Solden, isn't it? Because it's so flat, those last 15 turns. So you basically, you could do almost what you want within reason down that steep. But as long as you you nail the sort of three last gates on the steep with a good bit of height, you can carry, you know, one one or two kilometres over 15 turns is massive. So if you just, if you literally nail that section, you that's, that's 15 turns that you, of higher speed. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely not going to win a race in the steeps, but you're going to, you're not going to lose a race in the steep, but you're going to win it in the transition usually yeah. or, or in the flats. And it's actually, it's, it's an interesting one, Solden, because of the glacier getting smaller, there was always a big, a big road at the end of the, pretty much at the end of the, of the steep bit. And that gave like some extra, well, some extra, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. But now it's like, it's really it's pretty much going from steep right into the flats and whoever is the best on those three gates, it might be off luck or skill or whatever, but they usually like carry the most speed out of there and they, and they usually, well, doing pretty well in the race. So um, he definitely did that really well this time. What was um, Mathis senior saying about Pantero's efforts? I mean, like obviously, if you break down the race, he was very quick on the on the top parts, both of the runs, which is obviously great. So that means the skis are going well um, because it's very flat there. <laughs> and then he was very good at the bottom as well in the second run. I felt like he was a bit on the back seat in in the steep bit. Yeah, um, he was just not like as comfortable as he was last year. But I was say that's almost like the reverse of what you're used to. Normally, if it's steep and icy, it's normally that's Pantro's yeah, playground. He just he just didn't look that clinical. But I guess like having said that, the woman looked like it's gonna be a two a two horse race. I feel like the man is wide open, and I don't think this is like kind of 
showing us a very clear picture of who can be quick and who can't be. No, and also at this time of year, like we always talk about it, don't you? You know, we're end of October and then you've got a couple of weeks, then you've got a parallel and then it's speed races. So it's it's a bit of an, it's for, for, for the tech skiers, a bit of an odd start to the season, isn't it? You build up that through the summer, peak for one day in uh, end of October and then you go back to training again before you that you then really start your work. Yeah, I mean they can. Uh, they, I think they were talking about this in in like before beforehand of the uh, before the race. It's just a bit of an odd time to do it. It's always been there, fair enough. But I mean they can easily do it two weeks later or push Lech a week back and stuff. So it's like makes a bit more sense because some people might have been skiing for four months already and they probably are in better shape than someone who has done like two months of skiing and want, like wanted to do a bit more of conditioning. Yeah. So it's not always an accurate like representation of yeah. how you ski, yeah. but I think it's it, it's always a good race, obviously, for, for people in front of the screens because they can see skiing and they're getting psyched for the winter. And it's probably good for the ski brands as well to have like some representation of their brand in yeah. before the winter. But the timing is a bit odd. It's always been a bit odd, unfortunately. Yeah, not something that's really sort of flows into the winter, doesn't it? But I mean, to make I guess from a commercial standpoint, that's probably, you know, like you say, that's one of the reasons it's there. But I mean, this year, like, obviously, you couldn't get any better advertisement anywhere, right? You saw them skiing on a hill that looked unbelievable, sunshine, people are being happy watching a ski race, really good skiing. I mean, it's it's literally what you want every year. Um, it, like obviously, the past couple of years hasn't been that great, but this year was amazing. Yeah, you think of the amount of cancellations that they've had at Soldom, especially with it being so high with like wind and poor visibility and those kind of things. This was absolutely picture perfect, and like you said, Marcel, the piece looked incredible. Um, and yeah, those are those are the kind of conditions these guys want. Yeah, but time. also like if you obviously if you look back into the last two winters with COVID and stuff, like it has hit the ski brands hard, and there's no doubt about that. And getting this race in is is probably like the best as I said, advertisement you can have for skiing. And I've spoken to a couple of people back home in Austria, and obviously they're all very, very much looking forward to go and ski themselves. So I think it it really did what it's supposed to be doing, um, yeah. getting getting people psyched up. Yeah, definitely. Um, somebody not going to be too psyched is um, Matthias Meyer. He's going to be quite frustrated, isn't he? looking on for a great haul of points the speed skier coming to gs back to solden which has had a few decent results and points hauls in gs before and then uh throws away a really promising uh, gs result which you know i, I know that a bit sensationalism right now saying at this point in the season but that's a lot of points to give away already are you about to say he's just thrown away the overall title <laughs> no, not quite as far as that but you know that's a that's a big dent i reckon you know good points got opportunity to score some world cup startless points i mean may, maybe marcel do you know if there's any if that was him skiing as in just to get his feet under him for the season or is he planning on doing some more gs's because obviously that might be him having one eye on the likes of kilda and seeing what he's done in gs in the last few years and saying maybe maybe there's more in there i can do well look Last time we spoke about it, if you want to win the overall World Cup, you have to have three disciplines, like no doubt about that. And he must have been doing pretty decently in, in training. So he probably thought he'd give it a go. But I'm pretty sure now he will he will like keep on keep on skiing the GSS. Maybe not like 
well deserved because it's just I don't think it's worth it. But he I will... think if it works, it's calendar wise, doesn't it? In terms of you know yeah. this time of the year, he would have been training a bunch of GS because it's hard to train speed on on the glaciers exactly. through the summer anyway. So he'd have been training a bunch of GS, getting some good consistency. I've got it written down here somewhere. I think he was 24th last year in GS. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty certain. And then, yeah, him and Kriegmeier scored points last year. And I think the year before that, when the men raced, he was like 16th or something. Again, I'm pulling results out of thin air here, but I'm pretty sure that is mostly accurate. I know Ben, is going to be typing away to try and prove me wrong, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. That... I'm going to leave you there just guessing. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Just making up results on the fly. I mean, I live my life talking rubbish. <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing it. If ever, if anyone ever checks like fact on our, on, on this podcast, they're going to be like, they're going to take us down with them. It's like all wrong facts. <laughs> I was talking to some guy and um, he was saying about how it doesn't really matter if you're right or wrong. As long as you sound like, you know, you say it with enough conviction, people believe you. It's the same like Joe Rogan. He's just like, talking stuff and makes sense so it must be right <laughs> that's a bit of a tangent <laughs> i think it's how you get a load of fake news there marcel <laughs> um british perspective charlie Raposo did okay i guess i don't know i'm not really sure how to define it started bib 60 finished 40 something missed the flip by six tenths ish yeah i was i was pretty i, I was pretty happy with this game obviously with Starting in, in 60, you only get in to see a few short clips of the run, but what they what they did show was uh looked looked by his standards quite controlled and and still reasonably quick. But I think we'd said it in the preview, you, you're gonna have to go some to make the flip from that far back. Like, you know, that that might have been some of his some of his better World Cup skiing. Um, but I think we said earlier, like I think someone in the low 40s was the highest bib number that made it through to the second run. And when, you know, the first 10 in the race are separated by a second, it, it's, it's really difficult to, to get in from that far back. But, I, you know, I think he seems pretty happy with the turns he put down. Yeah, but we were, again, before, before we started recording, I think you just don't see bib 60s qualifying that often, irrespective of the conditions, irrespective of the set the time of year it just it just doesn't happen that often so to get into the flip and then back to the world cup startless stuff that we were talking about you know you've got to get in that in that 30 multiple times and so to be breaking in from the 60s once is incredibly difficult but to do that the sort of three or four or five times that you're going to need to to get into the top 30 to start if that's the way that you're going to lower your start bib is mega hard it's incredible as, as you said it's incredibly hard like it's it's just not from my perspective the right approach like you can get someone who breaks in there and like has two good races and then is in there but in 99.9 percent of the cases it's not how you do it and it's going to be very tricky um charlie well he was dragging less of his knuckles around which is good um more on the outside ski which is great as well but making that consistent flip into the top 30 from BIP 60 is just something that's not going to happen, unfortunately. So he needs to, he needs to lower his fist points and you do that by winning European cups and, or getting at least on a podium. And, and that must be his, his next target. Um, and if he probably has to not do a world cup, he 
he shouldn't do that World Cup. Just keep on keep on um, digging at the European Cup and get better there. Play the long game rather than you know don't less hail marys and more consistency. You know another American football reference for you there, Ben. I know you appreciate that. Yes, you're on mute, mate. Yeah, no, it's probably best that that wasn't recorded. But I'm saying, <laughs> uh, you just keep making some random cross sport metaphors. You just no, his internet, his internet's gone again. Are you back with us? I am. I'm still trying not to swear at you. <laughs> I'll just cut you out anyway. I just, I just, I've got some clips of you just saying yes. So I'm just going to put those in. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> Uh, you guys got anything anything to add before we boost? No, nothing more. No, so it's you know it's a brilliant race weekend, and can't wait for the next one. Now, agree, I agree on that one. Yeah. So next set of races are the parallels in Lexers, which are the thirteenth and fourteenth. Uh, ladies, then men's. That is November, obviously. So uh, we will pick up the week before that and then we'll get the picks in for the Predictions League as we try and salvage some sort of self-respect from our, yeah, dismal, dismal performances. <laughs> I think we just need to be in the top half and we can... Are play. you guys still hopeful to beat me? I don't think you should be. Anyway. Hey, I'm one point behind you. One, one point and I control, <laughs> and I control the spreadsheet. I am the spreadsheet. <laughs> Control the spreadsheet. <laughs> and generally as the host who gets to pick first. Uh, so. And I'm not very good at maths. So <laughs> <laughs> Marcel is just going to make himself pick first uh, every race in the season now. Yeah, you, you can pick yourself first as many times as you want. I picked last this time and I still won. Oh, you, big words. Big words. I am nope. so, <laughs> so I'm honestly so confident. I've never been more confident than like now. This, this is exactly how last year started. <laughs> Literally, and yeah. that was winning the overall. Uh, and then after about three weeks, there was lots of complaining about rules. Oh, no, so much yeah, complaining. Like, honestly, I I really thought we changed the rules here, but it's still the same thing. Like it's we, different. I thought we changed the rules. That's your first mistake. No, I have to say you basically are like this. <laughs> You're so hungry to have to control over everything, so you wouldn't <laughs> accept or any other opinions from anyone else. What, what would you change? What would you change if you could change one thing about the ski racing podcast? More alpine combines. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I would change? Well, are you talking about the predictions league or the podcast? Whatever you want, mate. This is an open forum. Here to listen. I mean, <laughs> make myself the host. Ideally, ideally, you should have like someone who's a good guest it's like take me out and take a good guest in because they have a lot more idea from ski racing than i do <laughs> all right let's let's so, i don't that. know where that leaves me then if marcel's <laughs> the one who's got no idea what he's talking about yeah, but you, okay, well, the problem is you have a lot of other skills like you're basically you can't take you away because you know about the weather you know all the stats and you know skiing and i have only an idea about skiing half of the, half of the times you have you have a lot of knowledge about pantero skiing yeah exactly but what if what if pantero is not doing well like no one cares about it <laughs> that's the mate that's the becomes headline news when he's doing rubbish that's when we need the inside knowledge of is he going to fire the wax man <laughs> <laughs> well the wax man's always the first one to go and what about all right what about the what about the league do you just want to be able to pick after the races no <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably still get those wrong. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'd probably still get that wrong. No, um, 
I, I mean, there are a couple. Of, I'll I'll send you a memo over um PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> like all of the basic stuff that needs to be changed. I want a bigger trophy. Uh... <laughs> no, I don't want a bigger trophy. I want my trophy in time. That's that's basically the first. <laughs> uh, you you and Jamie Aldridge both. Mate, it took you literally like five months to give me that trophy, and you live about half an hour away. It's a long way away. You're a busy man. Busy, busy man. Very, very busy. Uh, so busy. Uh, uh, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, right. Thanks, guys. Uh, until next time. Bye mm -hmm. for now.